Welcome to My COVID Diary. My name is Andrea Hardacre and this is My COVID Diary. Like everybody else worldwide, I'm trying to get to grips with a whole new lifestyle during the corona pandemic and I decided to chart my journey here. April 13th, 2020. What can I tell you? I finally snapped. I just couldn't take it anymore. I know some of you will judge me harshly, but the pressure of being cooked up day after day in each other's company just got too much. I'm certain I'll be punished, and I'm thankful that lockdown awards me some time before my crime is discovered. The tension had been building slowly for weeks, waking every morning to that same frown of disapproval which followed me like a shadow day after day. Then at night, sensing that same presence by my side, shoulders hunched, back turned. It was unbearable. I hope you understand. I hope the kids understand. Somehow, I doubt they will. Saturday was meant to be a day of rest, a day of lounging, but no. The atmosphere was tense, hostile. So much so that something just broke inside me. I went out into the garden with a shovel and started digging. A storm was brewing. Thunder growled through the night, bearing sharp, lightning teeth. It didn't deter me. It helped mask the telltale sound of the earth being lifted and shifted. I worked like a mad woman in my pyjamas until the deed was finished, then stripped off and threw them in the hole. I had to cover my tracks. I know what you're thinking, that I'm bound to get caught, that when it comes to a court of law they will say it was premeditated. I may plead insanity, blame it on the hormones, but the truth is, it was sheer hatred that led me to do it. I have no defence. It took some time to dig the hole. It needed to be deep and wide and the rain didn't help. As I've mentioned before, my neighbours are obsessive bloody gardeners. Out there morning, noon and night, popping their head over the fence to say hello before glancing at my half-weeded flowerbed. Needless to say, my digging had to be done under the cover of darkness. Their continuous sticky beaking did make me hesitate. I wondered if I was doing the right thing. I knew there'd be consequences. Some things would be clearly missed. But when I staggered up to bed, the air was thick with the stench of disapproval. So I grabbed my scissors and stabbed wildly over and over again, truly demented. Then came the gruesome task of cutting everything up limb by limb, placing it in bing bags before depositing it outside in the freshly dug hole. I've just placed an order for some concrete. Right enough, the kids have started asking questions. So far, I've managed to throw them off the scent. I convinced them that after weeks of confinement, we thought it best to take a breather. But it won't be long before they smell a rat. But here's a worrying thing. Now the ironing is carefully shredded, packaged up and buried outside. I find myself glancing round the house, wondering what's next. It was all so terribly easy, and so far, no one suspects a thing. But getting back to the real world, Easter weekend came and went without much festivity. Joe booked into the Shredder Tuck's Barbers on Saturday night. I decided Andrea wasn't really a good name for a barber, 
So for barbering purposes, I've taken on a shortened version of my maiden name, Tuck. We tried to podcast from the event itself, complete with the noise of the shredders, but some idiot who shall not be named forgot to change the setting on the voice recorder. So rather than record the actual event, they recorded 20 minutes or so of silence. I'm becoming a bit of a pro with the shredders. They give me enormous power. Just at the point when I'm approaching an ear, I'll ask for a task to be done, while holding the ear quite firmly and ensuring the noise of the clippers is vibrating furiously close to said ear. Remarkably, Joe agrees to whatever I ask in an instant. I've decided to cut his hair more often. In the world outside, the BBC has been highly praised for questioning, at last, the effects of Lockdown UK on those living in poverty and on business. I couldn't help find this deeply patronising. Where have they been? Many people I know have been worrying about the economy, the rise in domestic violence, the effects of lockdown on those living in close quarters with no gardens since day one. We were asking questions about the reality of lockdown long before the BBC. The Prime Minister emerged from hospital this weekend, looking pale, but apparently virus-free. I read that Churchill's grandson, Nicholas Soames, believes Johnson is more of a national leader, having been through the virus himself. Soames clearly wonders the same as me, whether or not the whole experience will have changed Johnson's thinking about the way our country is run. I'm sure the irony of the situation won't have escaped many when Bojo said in his emergence speech that it was hard to find words to express his debt. Words aren't what the NHS needs, Boris. It needs investment. That's where the debt truly lies. As a fury over inadequate supplies of PPE rages on, I couldn't help notice a story of romance in Among the News, like a vibrant rose poking out from a garden full of weeds. An Italian couple who experienced love at first sight across the balconies during lockdown. They started messaging each other and now who knows where that will lead. Some more happy news from last week. I heard from another old friend, Howie, who's been tuning into the podcast. In fact, he says he binge listened to every episode after bumping into my mum and sister back in Scotland as he walked past mum's garden. It was a social distancing kind of bumping. Normally, Howie would get a huge hug from both my mum and sister, who are his biggest fans. We've known him since I was about four. I went all through primary and secondary school with them and spent a lot of my 20s hanging out with them before my job took me off in different directions. I can remember every argument we had as kids, including the time he threatened to tell me because, wait for it, he bent over the fence and I saw his pants. I still laughed this day about that, but probably at the time I was very worried he would tell. Howie is one of those friends who has always been up for adventure. He drove a little green mini back in the day and one time visited me at uni in Glasgow and we squashed about eight people in there before driving up to Loch Lomond for a picnic. It was probably illegal, so I'm not telling you his first name, just in case the statute of limitations isn't up. I even made him accompany me to an airport down in London to meet some friends I'd met in America back when we were 21. Except, you guessed it, I didn't check which airport I was meant to be going to, and we went to the wrong one. This was in the days before mobile phones. If it hadn't been for Howie, 
I'd never have managed to weave my way from Gatwick to Heathrow. The last time I saw him was about two years ago, I think, after something like a 25-year gap. A group of my primary school friends all met up back in Dunfermline, and it was one of the best nights ever. There's something about both cousins and old friends that whenever you're with them, you can fall back into the giggling idiots you once were. I'm lucky to have lots of cousins and old friends to giggle with. And once again, it doesn't matter how long has passed since we last met, the relationship never changes. I think sometimes when it's been a long time since you met with friends, you fear they may have moved on, become more sophisticated, become someone else, and you feel the need to apologise for any perceived shortcomings you might have. Thankfully, none of my friends have grown overly sophisticated, no matter what their status in life, so we still manage to giggle at utter nonsense. I hope we're still like that in our 90s. I heard from the organisation I work for today and they have bits and pieces for me to do, which is also great news. I decided that I will really take my time over it, so long as it isn't too urgent. It's just nice to have something to accomplish and good to have a little unexpected money coming in. Beth and I discussed on our daily walk the horrible effect of having nothing to accomplish or achieve. It leaves you directionless, demotivated. We don't like it. So I got to to thinking again about how our world has shaped over the years and realised, without stating the obvious, that humans do have a very strong need to be sociable. We eat out together in noisy environments, share drinks together in busy pubs, enjoy music together, festivals together, you name it. We do a lot of things in large groups. I want to find out more about this need. So I'm going to do a little research into the psychology of it all. If nothing else, it will keep me from digging another hole in my garden. (laughs) 